...call from an anonymous man using a public phone box to report a rifle left on a verge close to the culvert. Both men, cold and soaked, would have known what had happened. In the darkness, the bad guys would have struggled to get the fertilizer in sacks clear of the transit and manhandled it towards the ditch and culvert. Their last moments would have come as they slid to the concrete mouth. The night sights on the rifles and machine guns would have locked on them. An electronic switch would have been thrown to detonate the bomb, and the firing would have started. Maybe two had died in the blast, and the other two would have been cut down by the volume of bullets. All would have been mangled, body parts spread. Neither Dusty nor Desperate winced at what they imagined. The rain was heavier, and the shooting had stopped. They were probably too far from the culvert to hear the helicopter come in. If the shooting was over, it would have been called for, and it would fly low, hugging the contours from the barracks, and set down momentarily in the sodden field to take in the Special Forces men, the Hereford Gun Club, who had been the ambush team. Blacked up, weighed down with their kit, they would heave themselves past the helicopter's machine gunner and flop onto the metal floor. Then it would lift, bank, and disappear. Behind the helicopter, there would be a scene of carnage. Dusty and desperate were silent. Neither was a killer at first hand. Both took more responsibility than the men who had slapped in the magazines and fed the belts. They could imagine the scene where the culvert drain bored under the lane because Desperate had been told that was where the bomb would be laid, when it would be brought there, at what time the hoax call would be made, and which men would be settling into their firing positions to wait for the military response. He knew the features of those men and their histories in the war being fought out on the shallow slopes of the mountain and where they lived in the townlands between the chambered grave and the summit point, the seat of Shane Birner. His files carried their biographies and he could trace the tribal links that held them together. He had the names of the wives, girlfriends and kids. A desperate had furnished the information that had brought the special forces up from Ballykindler. He could have predicted each moment in the killing process. He had choreographed it. The helicopter would have gone, and the guys inside the cabin would soon be showering away the stench of cordite, then heading for the canteen and breakfast. Not desperate and dusty. The cows were on the move. They came across the open field into the teeth of the wind and rain. Through his glasses, an image intensifier built into the lenses, Desperate could see their steady progress and hear the squelch of their feet. For a full minute they masked the farmhouse and the buildings where the man stored his agricultural plant livestock lorries, the weapons and bombs he dealt with. There were no lights on in the house. It was too close to the explosion, the firing and the ambush. Desperate felt no particular satisfaction at the part he had played in the matter, 
I didn't imagine Dusty wanted a high five. What both men would have liked was a cigarette. Forbidden. The absence of a Marlborough light might have mattered more to Desperate and Dusty than their part in the deaths of four men. They were good cows from a pedigree herd, not that they were milked by the man who owned, had owned, the farmhouse, the outbuildings, and forty-nine acres of poor, if serviceable, land. They were led each morning and evening to a neighbour's parlour and milked there. When they had come back the previous evening, the man had been flitting from his back door to his buildings and had returned with heavy-duty navy overalls. He must have forgotten the balaclavas, because he'd had to return to the big shed. They'd watched him. Dusty had dug out the pit that was...